and welcome to the When's My Time podcast. I'm Ozzy Eyre, founder of whensmytime.com, and I am to be your boss's worst nightmare. Well, it's Sunday. Yes, Sunday the 23rd of October 2016, and here in the UK, it's a beautiful, sunny, if cold, autumnal morning. Absolutely stunning day. And I want to take things seriously today. Um, Well, I want to talk about taking things seriously, put it like that. You see, we have, or at least I have had, and I don't know if it's true for you, a a strange relationship with this idea of taking things or taking yourself seriously. This all started for me uh, way back, way back when I started out in my corporate life. And you know that I've got a, a thing about corporate life. Or maybe it seems I've got to think about corporate life. What I've got to think about is people in corporate life who are there for the wrong reasons or who are there in the wrong job, who are there not fulfilling their potential because society expects them to be in corporate life or their family does. Or for whatever reason, they find themselves as a, a round peg trying to fit into a square hole. So, yeah. Way back, I had just literally just started in retail, and this was a job that almost within minutes of me starting, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. Some people loved it, I hated it, and I allowed fear to keep me there for 12 long years. Can you imagine that? Fear and, well, <laughs> short, short while afterwards, a mortgage to keep me there for 12 long years. Now, what what am I talking about, this, this seriousness thing? Well, I hadn't been there very long, literally about a couple of weeks. And I saw something that the company was doing that it could do better. So I thought, well, at least I ought to point this out. It was something very simple that the company could just make a a simple tweak and it would result in a better result. So I went and told the manager, the, the boss of the store. And in those days in retail, I mean, can you imagine this? This is This is what, uh, 19, well, it's, uh, I was 21, so it was 37 years ago. That store was still so, or that company was still so so behind the times that everybody was still Mr. This or Mrs. That. Nobody was by their first names. Nobody was called by their first names. And and this was totally, I'd come from, I can tell you, I'd worked in a government job before, a, a civil service job before. And even there, even in the stuffy old British civil service, people were now going by first names. And I'd come into this retail world where people still were Mr. This and Mrs. That. And, and it was all very formal. And it was, yeah, it was really behind the times in more ways than one. Anyway, I said to the boss, wouldn't it be a lot better if we did this, this, this? And he said, it's none of your business. I said, what? So no, no, so yeah, he said, it's, really is none of your business. Your job is to just come here and do what you're told and make sure the people under your charge do what they're told. All that sort of stuff comes down from head office. Anything to do with what happens in these stores comes from head office. And I thought, well, that's weird, because surely the people who know what's happening in the stores are the people in the stores. Not the people in head office. But I I didn't voice that. But, I mean, it just sounded crazy to me. Now, 
A short while afterwards, it happened to coincide with the end of the financial year. Literally, I'd, I'd only been there a, a couple of weeks or so. Happened to um, coincide with the end of the financial year and the company reports were out and so on. And the boss of the store gathered everybody around at the end of a trading day and said, I want to thank you all. We've uh, Just to t- let you know that this store last year took X amount of money. And as a young, either eager 21-year-old who'd never had, I mean, I never had any business knowledge. I never had anything of that sort. After the meeting, I said to the boss, but yes, boss, but how much of that is profit? He said, I don't know. I said, well, you don't know or or you can't tell me? He said, no, no, I don't know. I thought, that's crazy. That's crazy. Here's a guy who, I mean, within this company hierarchy, he was quite a senior chap, you know, being the manager of a store. I mean, it may not sound it to anybody outside, but it was a leading retailer and he was a senior chap. And he had no idea how much profit the store under his command was making. It was considered privileged information. And I could not get my head around that fact. I really could not get my head around that fact that the people in command didn't trust their subordinates enough to give them information that could actually motivate them. But also, if I was that boss, I'd be thinking, well, hang on a minute. The store that I'm running, it's not just the takings of that store that are going to be looked at in detail. Surely it's the profitability because surely somebody at the top of this company is saying, well, actually that store over here is twice as profitable as that store over there. Now what's going on? We need to sort this out. Otherwise that's, crikey, there's a store over here that's actually making a loss. We need to sort that one even quicker. And if we don't, we need to close it. Now, if I had been that boss, I'd want to know that sort of information to know whether or not the people under my command could look forward to a job next year and the year after. But, as I say, this was this paternalistic atmosphere that was in this this company and in which I laboured for, for 12 years. Now, going back to that original story where I'd said to the boss, don't you think we should do this because it would be better? And he'd said, no, it's none of your business. Your job is to do what you're told. Believe it or not, about two or three years later, we had somebody down from the head office to announce this new policy. And guess what it was? Yeah, you got it. It was to do what I'd suggested two, three years earlier. Now, I'm not suggesting for one minute I was particularly smart. I'm sure countless people before me in the stores had come up with that same idea. That's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is the setup of that company was such that the stores had to wait for somebody in this remote head office to come up with this idea. And they were coming up with this idea, if you like, in in isolation. So they were not taking seriously, as far as I was concerned, the talent that was spread throughout the store, that front-line talent. They were not taking things seriously. And I came to, I suppose, accept this because I stayed there for 12 years and I never made another suggestion. Shall we say I never officially made another suggestion? I probably made lots of suggestions, but I never made another suggestion and expected to be taken seriously. Put it like that. Now, roll the clock on to when I was in financial services and I was within uh, a business which was a, a much more forward-looking business. It, it still was the wrong business for me, but it came as quite a surprise when, in a meeting, we were asked our opinion about things 
and when, in a meeting, that opinion was valued. It came as a real shock to know that what I said, people paid attention to. They may have dismissed it afterwards, but while I was saying it, they paid attention to it and they gave it their full consideration. That came as a total shock to me. And although I talk about the fact that I was in financial services for 20 years, for the last 10 of that, I was with one company, one business. And I could not have wished to have worked with a better bunch of people. I I say that I was in, in a job I tolerated. It's true. I tolerated the job. I loved the people that I worked with there. No two ways about it. But I was in the wrong job. But it still amazed me that we'd have these occasional meetings. We were dispersed all over the country and occasionally we'd either come together in Manchester or, oddly enough, in Spain. The boss built a a conference centre out in Spain, which he'd sort of ship us all out to. It was fantastic. And I'd look around me and see all these highly talented people there. And it still amazed me that whenever I opened my mouth in these meetings that what I say, what the thoughts that, or what pastor's thoughts that came out of my mind were taken as seriously and considered as seriously as any comment or suggestion made by any of these supremely more talented and more intelligent, more knowledgeable people than me. It was given consideration. Now, where am I going with this? Firstly, I want to encourage you to take yourself more seriously. I want to encourage you to take your own ideas more seriously. Now, I know probably we've all heard the, uh, the, the phrase, don't take yourself so seriously, or you need to lighten up. And I'm fully, <laughs> fully on board with that. We do need to lighten up. We need to ease up on ourselves. But we also need to take seriously that little voice that suggests to us that things could be better, that suggests to us that maybe this is a good idea. Maybe. I have thought of something that somebody hasn't thought of before. Maybe I ought to be doing something differently. Maybe I didn't ought to go with the flow. A friend of mine, Sam Crowley, says, you know who goes with the flow? Dead fish. That's who goes with the flow. Swim against the flow. Maybe we need to take ourselves more seriously and our dreams and our goals and our purpose more seriously. And that's what I'd ask you to do today. Don't think about it as a pipe dream. Don't think about it as something frivolous. Don't think about it as something, well, maybe-ish, wouldn't it be good, and all frilly and frothy and all that sort of stuff. Don't think about it in those terms. Think about it seriously. Take your own ideas seriously. Take your own future seriously. Because seriously, your ideas, your objectives, your goals are worth every bit as much as anybody else's. I hope that's been useful to you. And if you haven't done it yet, why not? In fact, I'd like your answer in triplicate, please, on my desk by 9am tomorrow. Uh, If you haven't done it yet, head over to iTunes, leave me a review, leave me a bunch of stars as well. Five is always preferable. Now, the reason I ask you to do that is not to stroke my ego. It does, but the reason I really ask you to do that is to help this podcast move up in the rankings and it will help more people, people like you, to find this podcast and to be helped by it. And you're a helpful sort of person, so I know you want to help those people find it. So head over to iTunes, leave me that review, leave me those five stars. Also, you can hit me up on Twitter at Aussie Air, that's O-double-Z-Y or O-Z-Z-Y-E-Y-R-E, or email me 
Aussie at whensmytime.com. Aussie at whensmytime.com. While we're talking about whensmytime.com, you can head over there right now. And at this moment, you can access a video there. It's about 40 minutes long. And in that, I reveal the top 10 things I've learned since I decided back on that hillside in Italy in 2010 that I was going to quit the corporate life forever. Thank you so much indeed for listening. I've been Ozzy Air, founder of whensmytime.com. And I'm here to tell you, your time is now. <laughs>